This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Goudreau and Richardson to take it. Richardson won it right back to Demko. Had to make a save. Then there's a rebound in front. They score Fiala. A clean face-off win from Brad Richardson that was almost too clean. Back to the point for Queen Hughes. Hughes, left wing, JT Miller, quick shot, he scores! JT Miller for the top of the circle, fires it past Talbot on the power play, and the Canucks tie it at two. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Here's a breakaway, in alone, Erickson egg to the forehand, he scores! The Wild in transition, strike to win the game. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose in overtime, at least, picking up a point. Welcome to the Canucks Central post-game show here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. A hard-fought game, Randy. Pick Nazar and Randy Janda here with you this evening. If you want to grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, also 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber Text message inbox, Canuck Central postgame show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life. We'll talk to uh, Corey Hirsch in just a second, uh, but a very difficult game, very entertaining game, no less, Randeep, uh, but Canucks do get one point. They do get one point, and it's a weird one, right? You end up picking up a point, coming back in that game, playing a tough, tough Minnesota team where... You think about it, okay, the fight back, you get it, earn a point. But the way it ends kind of leaves a weird taste in your mouth because JT Miller hits the post there. It's a game of inches, goes back the other way. You end up, you know, allowing that goal. But it's a strange one because I think after 60 minutes, you can be happy with the way that the team fought back. Just a little bit of a difference, and the Canucks walk away with two points instead of the one. Fine margins, Hershey. Uh, we bring in Corey Hirsch now uh, from the game broadcast uh, that uh, shot by JT just hit the post so purely and caused, you know, some chaos, but then back the other way, Joel Erickson Eck uh, slots his home. It's uh, fine lines right now. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It really is. And you know what, though? They did such a great job. Like, you have to you have to give them credit. Um, they, they, to get two points last night and then a point tonight, um, you know, it's it's fantastic. And just gutsy and gritty, and it's unfortunate that they couldn't catch any any more points or, or catch any more teams because everybody else won. And it looks like Edmonton's going. You know, that's it's so tough to get back to catch up ground. Uh, Vegas is up two nothing. Edmonton's up two to one. It's just a tough, tough league to make up ground. But at least they're in the race, and we've got some good hockey. Dallas on Saturday is going to be a fantastic game. You know, that's that's basically a playoff game so we'll see how that goes Hershey this game was a tough one to play and I imagine right you look at the way that Minnesota plays they're physical they kind of you know on a back-to-back nonetheless this is a a really difficult physical team to play what did it show you that about this team that they came back despite you know know, Brad Hunt got launched by DeLaurier there was a couple other moments in this game where Minnesota really tried to lean in and and intimidate the Canucks but this team didn't buckle tonight Oh, it was a it was a battle through and through, um, you know, and they and they didn't buckle. It was and to be tired on back to back. You needed goaltending. They had thirty six shots against them. Um, I had Minnesota down for twenty scoring chances, so they needed goaltending, um, and they got it. 
They got it probably about halfway through the second period. You're not going to win, especially on a back-to-back. So good decision. Halak steals two points last night for the team. And then, uh, you know, tonight you get Demko going. So it's it worked out pretty well in that sense. But like I said, you still have um, – you still got a, a big game on the weekend. And then St. Louis, like the schedule doesn't get much easier. So, uh, you know, we'll just – we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, and you just got to chip away, right? And to, unfortunately, JT Miller, I mean, that's too bad. He scores – I mean, that's that's in the net nine times out of ten for him. Um, and tonight, just couldn't get another. Uh, not necessarily even the uh, greatest efforts uh, from him. Also on that back check, though, trying to get uh, closed down Eric Snack. But look, he did score a goal earlier. There's a lot of that sentiment. It's like, hey, he stopped skating on that play right now coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox right now. Uh, do you have a big problem with that play, or is it uh, uh, at least he did so much more throughout the course of the game? On on which one? What, on... Uh, the final goal. He's kind of uh, trailing Eric Snack and uh, definitely He's... pulls up. Yeah, he's got no energy left, and there's not much he's going to do. But what you do in those situations is, is that you, in case your goalie makes a save, it's three on three. So that it's not that he's pulled up; he's not going to catch him. He, he, so what you do is you, you wait, see if your goalie can make a save. Somebody grab it, and then you got a breakaway going the other way. Um, you know, if the goalie doesn't save it, it doesn't matter. He's not going to catch him, so it it didn't really matter uh, on the back check. The one in Calgary was a lot different. That was a lot different where he lost the puck. But there, yeah, you're just you're waiting to hopefully for a turnover of your goalie making a save, and then getting a chance the other way. So I, I can see why he did that. Still. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that he didn't score off the post on that one time. This game in general, because you're you're coming off the the back to back, and and we knew Minnesota was going to be physical, and they just torqued it up big time uh, in the final forty. And to get a point out of this game, considering the style of the game it became, which we kind of predicted, but nevertheless, that's hey, Minnesota lived up to their billing. Now you get three and four, and, and it doesn't mean they've suddenly thrust themselves into playoff control or anything like that, but what does it say about the group here, these two efforts? Well, it says that they're still fighting for a playoff spot to me. You know, they haven't given up. They haven't quit. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate the last few games that they lost in, in Vancouver, but they're they're fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, and they can see it. They can smell it, that it's right in front of them. They just, you know, they need to catch a couple of breaks. Uh, and they didn't get it tonight, even though they got one point, which is good. Would have been nice to get two. Uh, but yeah, any t- you want to make the playoffs as a player? It's that's what it's all about. So, um, you know, that's that's what I can see out of them is is that they're sniffing a playoff spot. They can see it, and you don't give up until you're uh, obviously mathematically out of it. They've got what sixteen more games. Uh, they got some tough ones coming up, but. You know, mathematically, they are not out of it. So, you know, you just give everything you have like they did tonight. Yeah, we can say whatever we want, but, you know, even last time around, Bruce Boudreaux said, everybody on the outside thinks we don't have a shot, but internally here inside the locker room, you know, there's a different mindset. And speaking of mindset, it felt like with that Felino-Luke Shen fight right off the bat, it felt like that was Luke Shen basically saying, we know you have some big boys in this lineup, but I also want to let not only you guys know, but my team know that we can dish it out as well. Did you get that same message from him as well? Was he trying to set I, the tone there? I did, and it was great. I, you know, with that's why you need, but you need a couple of more Luke Shins up front, right? You need some more big bodies. I, I thought that was one of Luke's better games. I, I really did, just for how physical he was 
in that game and how he protected Quinn. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why they, they have him on. That's, that's why you have him with, with Quinn Hughes because Quinn gets stuck in the face of the stick and he goes right over there. And that's it keeps guys from messing around with Quinn Hughes. And that's why you have him. And he did his job. And that's exactly what you want out of that. They just need a couple more guys. Like Minnesota had, you know, they had Greenway. They got Felino. They've got a bunch of guys that uh, can bully you a little bit. So that's where the Canucks need to get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. So the Wild outchance the, the, the Vancouver Canucks. I, I'm curious what your numbers have it as because you always do a great job tracking it. But also, you know, look, fine margins in this game. But when you're looking at where kind of Minnesota separated themselves, is it the recurring theme of puck management for Vancouver? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is in a sense. I mean, there's a few turnovers. I didn't think Dermot was very good tonight. Uh, he had a couple turnovers. Um, the one in the yeah, second for, period trying to yeah, do a stretch the one pass in the second, there. Yeah. And, and Hunt you know, saved him on that one. And then there was a couple other plays, but yeah, they're doing a better job of puck management, keeping it on the boards and out of the middle. Uh, but it's still, you, you still need, you you still need your defenseman to be able to, to move the puck a little bit more smoothly um, and be able to have a guy that can do that for you on a regular basis. And, and, you know, Minnesota on the right side, Spurgeon, Dumba, and Goligoski, and also Brodine. You've got four guys that can that can move the puck tape to tape, right? You've got two on the Canucks, really, OEL and Hughes. So you need more guys that can give the puck tape to tape. And that's not to say the other guys are, are, aren't good players. That's just not their game. It's off the glass and out. They're battlers. They That's what they do, right? So you still need a couple more guys on the back end that can really move the puck. And as a forward, it's so frustrating when you're, you, know, you don't get the puck on your tape from a defenseman so it's kind of a, a a group thing i think that they'll they'll address it over the course of you know the next couple of years or whatever it takes for them to to become a stanley cup contender in the here and now they've got dallas coming up on saturday which is uh, a team that ended up winning tonight as well they fought back in that game won in overtime they beat the carolina hurricanes not too bad when you're looking at that matchup you know dallas is among the hottest teams in the nhl it's a direct playoff competitor uh, what do the Canucks need to take from both of these games? Is it simply that, you know, don't back down or come in with, it feels like this team, even d- despite tonight's loss, they still have that belief. And, and Saturday, they're going to need plenty of it because they're playing a really good team. They, they, they really are. So you just got to keep going the same way they're playing, right? Plug up the middle, um, you know, get make sure on the boards you're getting pucks out. Uh, and that's, you just have to continue to play the way you're playing. Make other teams beat you. Don't give them games. Uh, Stan Smeal always, you know, when he when he was took over for interim GM there for a little bit, he went on TV, he said, just be hard to play against. And that's what the Canucks, that's all they've done. Just be hard to play against. The pressure's not on you. The pressure's on Dallas to try and, and you know, get some points uh, off of the off the Canucks. So be hard to play against um, and then go from there. Really, that's that's the way it is. And if you're hard to play against, you'll win more times than not. So trying to plug up the middle there, uh, I feel like this is back-to-back good games for Elias Pettersson defensively. Is it maybe time to put him back at center and go Miller, Horvat, Pettersson down the middle? Uh, no, I, I like what they have right now. I, I don't think Pettersson is strong enough to play center still. I, I think that he's um, needs to put some weight on. I think that he needs some more practice at center, and I think he just needs to get stronger. Um 
and it's it's a skill, it's an art. I think the way they're playing right now, I think mm-hmm. he's playing well there. I think that line is doing uh, extremely well. Horvat's got three goals in three games. Um, I thought they were fatigued. I like Richardson, Highmore, and Lamico. I, I like the way these lines are, are mixing together. Um, you just you need three lines of scoring. You're right about that. But if you put Pedersen back there in the middle, it just thins you out uh, on those top two lines. So, you know, who else are you going to put in there with Horvat and Besterpod? Colson can't play more than nine, ten minutes right now. He's just too young and uh, it's too rich for him. So, you know, that's that's why I would probably keep it that way. Hershey, we noticed this the last two games, but, you know, a couple of games before, maybe three or four games ago, OEL was looking kind of labored when he was skating a little slower. Last two games, he's looked right. Are we the only ones noticing that, or does he look back to normal a little bit here? I think he looks back to normal a little bit, uh, you know, but there's still some that na- you always have little nagging things, right? And it's uh, those things can bother you, and and we don't know. We're not we're not in the locker room, right? So we don't know how bad it is or how or or if they're okay. So it's tough to you know, we can guess by what we're looking at, um, but you know, it's just everybody's got nagging injuries right now. I mean, you saw how physical this game was. Mm-hmm. There's going to be guys come out of this game um, that are going to be like they're going to hurt and they're going to hurt tomorrow. They're probably going to have a day off. Uh, and then, you know, be ready to go on Saturday. But you just play through it right now. That's the way it is. A big indicator of that, Randy, would be, you know, ice time. Yep. He did get a minute 57 on shorthanded time, which yeah. was second for Canucks yeah. D-man mm-hmm. behind Tyler Myers. So, you know, that's something we've been keeping an eye on as far as uh, ice time goes for OEL. Uh, Corey, before we let you go, uh, so now they get this time off here before uh, Dallas on Saturday. Uh, as a group, uh, what do you do in the time off here? Yeah, you just take a day and let everybody just go do their thing. Um, you know, the flight from Minnesota to Dallas is, I, I got to think it's like two and a half, three. So um, I think you get in, you just do nothing tomorrow. You let guys completely rest. You let them do their own thing. And then Saturday you're ready to go with, with um, you know, you don't start doing uh, overwhelming them with video or anything like that tomorrow. You just, just let them go, right? Just let them play. Uh, or let them just have a day off and, and you know, nothing after that and just be ready to go on Saturday. Hershey, appreciate it as always. Enjoy uh, the rest of your Thursday nights. Awesome. Thanks, gentlemen. That is our guy, Corey Hirsch, on the post-game roundtable. If you want to grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You can also text in 650-650, uh, waiting for Bruce Boudreaux to take to the podium or to the Zoom uh, here in moments. And uh, we'll hear from him after a 3-2 Canucks loss. You're listening to Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintech can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at kintec.net. Vic, we're getting a lot of feedback on the JT Miller play at the end. Okay, he doesn't, you know, score hits the post there, but was that a, a lazy play? Was that a play that he ran out of gas? So it's about 30 seconds into overtime. It's three on three. I think there's one thing we all acknowledge about JT Miller, right? Hell of a player. On pace for over 95 points. That's how good he's been this year. But there are moments where sometimes the effort falls flat. And I... Puck management. Puck management is part of that. And, you know, if you break down that play, you see him as it develops for Minnesota. He's kind of going with Erickson Eck. He's kind of in line with him. And eventually kind of drops off there. So to me... Yeah, JT Miller probably doesn't skate as hard because he thinks, okay, goalie's going to make the save. We're going to have a chance the other way. But that's who JT Miller is. 
there's two different complaints coming into Aaron Bucks here. One is him trying to catch up to Erickson Eck. Now, I thought Hershey kind of detailed that kind of well. The other complaint is, well, why is he so far behind already behind Erickson Eck? Because it's not as if Brodeen didn't have the puck. It's not as if it's just popped out of the zone and you got to catch up. He's the last man back. He was in Pedersen already forechecking. And as that play develops, Brodeen kind of tries to skate out from behind the net. And he pulls up and goes the other way. So Miller's kind of tracking him that way. So he's not really keeping an eye on Erickson Eck. Brodeen switches the other direction. And it's just a quick pass up to um, Kaprizov. And at that stage, the angle that Miller's got to catch up to uh, Erickson Eck is a bit, you know, he does pull up a little bit. Erickson Eck pushes. And just within that angle... He pushes right past him, and it's it's because he's tracking Brody in one way, kind of watches the puck go to Kaprizov the other way, and Eric Sonek just beats him up the ice. And once they're even, Miller's clearly trying to jump the passing lane. Yeah, that, and that's the key there, he's right? He's not really trying to keep up to Eric Sonek. He's trying to break up the pass to create a 3-1 the other way. He's now, trying to make a play on the puck rather than, you know, hey, basically... Make it try, difficult for Eric Sonek. Exactly. Try, take the body as Eric Sonek goes to the net. So he takes a risk there, but that's my point. JT Miller... We know he's a risk-taking player. That that's who he is. And there, he tries to make the play on the puck. It's the wrong. It's the wrong play in this sense. But if he ends up intercepting it, we're probably we're probably patting him on the back, saying "Great play there." Launch the transition. So that's a high-risk player that JT Miller is on on both sides of the puck. I do think there's a difference between being lazy and being reckless. Now that to me is a reckless play by James. It's a risky Miller. one. It's 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 a risky one, right? And you'd like him to just make it difficult difficult for Erickson Eck not be clean in, and you know play more quote unquote traditional defense. He's trying to be he, he's trying to be JT Miller as you alluded to. He's he is a high risk high reward player, even defensively, which can obviously have its big time flaws. And I think that is a part of it. When we talk about his demeanor, when we talk about his, like that's JT Miller. You love him for the same reasons that there's going to be moments like this where eventually there will be a mess up. Eventually there will be something that you say, hey man, that was necessary. Make the safe play there. Make it difficult for Erickson Eck to score that goal rather than you, you know, the jump in the passing lane, trying to snag it and then go back the other way. He does it there, but what do we look at? That That's something that JT Miller has been Throughout his Canucks career, He's, he'll make those plays occasionally, and sometimes they come off really, really well. They launch transition the other way. This time, it turned out to be the wrong one. And I know some people are, just, are texting, it's like, oh, you got to rip him in for, for that chance. Here's here's the, the facts of the scenario, too. He did have a goal, sends it to help, sends it to overtime. Yeah. And, and, like, this is the problem with the guy who's got 78 points now in the year. It's like, okay, look, he's at fault for this goal. He has done so much this season. That like is this your your straw man that you're saying? Oh yeah, that's the reason you can't sign this guy to an eight year deal. He's he's gonna put up ninety plus points, and look, he's at fault for that goal. I get it. I, I, are you using that as your declaration? That play? All I say is be consistent, right? The consistency is in the in the sense that it makes him special at the same time. We'll see if Bruce Boudreaux has anything to say it about that. He is up at the podium now. That's a really good point. Uh, um... 
come back, you know, in the third period, we didn't have a lot left in the tank. And uh, then we were holding on at the end, but we held on at the end. And, you know, when you go into overtime, anything can happen. We hit the post, they come down and score. So, um, uh, yeah, obviously at this stage of the season, you lo- you need those other points, but I can't be unhappy with the fact that we got one point. I thought it was great. Once we got the lead, I thought, okay, if we can snag, snag one more here, we'll be a tough team to beat. I mean, uh, that Kaprasov is pretty dynamic. The one, it's the first time I've ever seen him play, and the one thing he can do, he's so accurate with his shot. Uh, he had a couple in the third period, too, that he, you knew where he was going, and he was hitting his spot, so Demko just made the save. Marcus? All right. First up, we have Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet. Hey, Bruce, uh, on TV, uh, we could see you had a long conversation with JT Miller uh, between the end of regulation and overtime. Can you share what that was about? It was just uh, something about playing man on man in a in a certain situation. That's all. Okay. And three out of four. I'm guessing you would have taken that in a heartbeat when this trip began. Looking at these two games. You always say, yeah, absolutely, give me that. We won't even go. And then once you get into the situation, you want all four points. Everybody's <laughs> gets greedy, as as do we. So, um, But uh, uh, it, it was two tough games, two tough teams. And, and, you know, we've got a day to recuperate before we could play another tough team. So we'll take the three points. It keeps us in the race. And as long as we're in the race, we've got a shot. So that's all we want right now. Okay, any last questions for Bruce before we wrap? All right, don't see any hands raised. A quick one from Bruce Boudreau. Couple of questions. That's yeah. it. That's you it. Get those uh, get those very rarely these days. No, it's a it's a short one from uh, Bruce, and uh, I, I guess look, it, it's a valiant effort recognized by all to say, hey, three or four so far in this very difficult seven game stretch. Two more games left on this road trip but three or four and on a back-to-back against two very prolific teams uh they managed to uh, at least get one point Vic Nazar Randy Janda here on the Canuck Central postgame show we're also going to give you updates on what's happening in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying Canada playing Costa Rica tonight so if you got uh plans to watch the game after the postgame show maybe just uh plug your ears for about 10 seconds here uh and and while I also uh Read the promo here. Canada's soccer update uh, brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. CertainTeed Pro all the way. Canada down 1-0 right now in the 48th minute, and they're also down one man as well, Randy. Yeah, Mark Anthony K picked up a yellow card early on in the match, which could have been a red card. It was gone, uh, you know, they checked it on VAR. They stuck to the yellow and then he makes a pretty, I know non-soccer fans are going to say, oh, that's soft. The player was flopping, which he absolutely was. But essentially, Mark anthony K bumps shoulders with a guy. It's off the ball. It's not even part of the play. It, to me, it's immature yeah, and it's, it's reckless. Yeah, it's a dead ball. <laughs> like, what are you yeah. doing? Right? Like, you know you're on a yellow. This is CONCACAF. Uh, just a bad look. But the good thing is, it's essentially, if you look across, uh, the U.S. is drawing Mexico right now. And Panama drew Honduras. So if Canada can find a way to come back and score a goal in this match, they still clinch. So despite the, them losing, they've got a half to figure it out. 
Massive. Massive. All right, that's your uh, Soccer Canada update. We'll keep you updated as we uh, continue here. 604-280-0650. If you want to grab a phone line, we'll do one here before we got to go to break. Let's go to Dan in Kelowna. Dan, what's on your mind? Oh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, I liked uh, the way they played, especially being back-to-back, but... um... I know they needed to get to four points just to try to keep things going. Um, and I look at the shots that and the opportunities that Brock Besser had tonight, and I think with his shot and how good of a shooter is, I think he needed to score one of one of those goals, and and it would have just been a different game. And the last thing, um, I think we're we're going to run out of time unless some of these other teams really start to fall apart it's going to be really hard for us to make the playoffs hey dan thank you very much for the call 604-280-0650 if you want to grab a phone line uh for his point about making the playoffs look it's getting tougher well we'll give you a full update here uh once we get kind of the full scores across the uh, rest of the western conference but as it stands uh vancouver uh, after this one point that they score uh they are at 70 points uh, now, so you're trying to get to that magic number of 94, 95, just to give yourself a chance, Randeep, uh, 70 points with, uh, 17 games to go. is going to be very difficult. The good thing is that you do pick up a point. So that points percentage, you know, creeps up a little bit more, but the reality is the Canucks will need a points percentage of 70 for the rest of the way, essentially to get to 93 points. Thereabouts, 94 points. Uh, so it's going to require, uh, you know, them to continue to pick up points. So before this road trip, I was saying if you can get to two points, maybe three if you're lucky, that's a success. They've already hit three. So credit to them. They beat the best team in the league. They got a point against a really nasty Minnesota team. Now, can you continue it against Dallas? Can you continue that against St. Louis? Sorry, this one pushes them to 71. 71 right? The OTL, yep. yeah, sorry. 71 points now for the Vancouver Canucks through 66 games. All right, grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. Lots happening in the text message inbox as well. We'll get to that uh, and more of your reaction. Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda here on the Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 in the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, more of the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Especially against those two teams. I mean, you know, they're obviously playoff caliber teams. And, you know, I thought obviously on a back-to-back, especially against a team like that coming into this building. They're a big, strong, heavy team. And, um, you know, I thought we did a pretty good job of containing them for the most part, um, especially early. I think getting out and jumping, getting a good start was important. And obviously salvaging a point there uh, definitely feels nice. But, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, you'd like to get to. That's the captain, Bo Horvat, after his 25th goal of the season in a 3-2 Canucks loss in overtime. But they do get that all-important point. 
Welcome to the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life. Bick Nazar and Randeep Jande here with you this evening. Grab a phone line 604-280-0650 and also text in 650-650 into, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. What are they saying, Randeep? Yeah, there's a lot of opinions here. And uh, Dave, or sorry, Dan, who was the previous caller, did mention Brock Besser. Uh, this text coming in, I agree with Dan on Bester. He needs to score those chances. He's getting a lot of looks. It seems like he's shooting from his back foot. So the last two games, and last game he did score against Colorado, the shot volume is there. Mm-hmm. But you look at a player like Kaprizov, where every time he shoots, man, it's coming with power. He's picking corners. He's shooting the kill, right? His goal looked so easy. Easy. It, look, it just it explodes off his stick. Brock Besser, it's not looking like that right now. It looks a little bit more, you know, there's a lot more effort behind it. And listen, we know that Brock hasn't had that, felt like he hasn't had that shot for the last little bit. But, yeah, he's had a rough stretch here. And I know getting that goal last game was big for him. But beyond that, remember, I feel like it was a confidence thing at the same time. But I think the important part of the last two games especially is that the shot volume is there. By any means necessary. If it's a Kaprizov-like goal, yeah, you'll take it. You'll be happy about it. But with Besser, he's getting opportunities. you got to score them. And I, I think that goes without saying. But that the one thing you can be positive about is the shot volume is there. He's just not getting much of that puck luck. But there is something up with that shot. I think it's going mix of that plus the confidence. Uh, five shots on goal tonight. And it's it's really just, you know... Kaprizov can just generate his own shot. His his own shot. Fiala can generate his own shot. Both he was scary again tonight. Yeah, both with speed, obviously, to create the space for yourself, but just how easily it comes off of his stick. Right now with Brock, and, and really realistically, you go through the Canucks roster. How many distant shooters are there for the Canucks? It's really just kind of two guys, Patterson and Miller. Yeah, yeah. Again, consistently can create your own shot and threaten from, you know, above the circles. Like, Brock kind of scores one yesterday at the top of the circles, but he's also coming downhill on that one, and he can kind of really lean into it with not a lot of traffic. I think that is the biggest question with Brock Besser as we move forward here. We think about that next contract, right? Patrick Laine was asked that same question a couple of years ago. Is this a guy that can create his own shot? Does he have to be set up in a certain space yeah. for those power play goals? Is he anything beyond that? We've seen Laine take a step, and he's a different type of player. He's a different echelon of player. But this year in Columbus, we've seen him score off the rush. He's attacking defenses. Brock Besser, he's got to develop his side of the game still, where, you know, can he create that shot? And can he put himself in it? He's good at finding the soft areas, but yet again, the puck has to get to him. And, you know, when we're talking about that next payday, then creating your own shot has to be a big part of that. You feel so much more comfortable signing a long-term deal, whether it's six, six and a half, whatever it may be, if he has that skill, we haven't seen it consistent, consistently enough. Big shout out to Josh and Victoria, who's texting us uh, minute-to-minute updates of what's happening on the out-of-town scoreboard. Uh, Dallas is 13-3 and in OT and shootout compared to the Canucks 6-9 in OT and shootout. Both teams got... Uh, extra time, 16 times, uh, a lot of focus on what's happening uh, on elsewhere uh, in in the out-of-town scoreboard as well. So we'll keep you up to date. We'll get to the phone lines in just a second. Uh, Edmonton is up with about six minutes to go against San Jose, 3-2. So it looks like they will get at least one point tonight. Mm-hmm. Vegas is up 3-1 over Nashville. So Nashville loses, but they might be too far 
uh, ahead there. But there's still over half the game to go. And the great storyline in that game, Evgeny Dadnoff scored the third goal of that game for the Vegas Golden Knights. It, can you write it any better than that? He's got six goals in his last eight games. He does. They need If they're going to get to the playoffs, they're going to need Evgeny Dadnoff, and suddenly all those guys can come back. Uh, and Chicago looks like they just scored against L.A. Uh, midway through the second period as well. So a lot further to go in those other two games. We'll keep you updated throughout the course of the evening as well. Uh, but, again, minutes to go in that Edmonton-San Jose game. Oilers up 3-2. The biggest loser tonight, though? Winnipeg Jets, they lost in regulation to the Ottawa Senators. Not a Pacific Division team, but still yeah. fighting it out for that wild card spot. It's it's one that you look at and say, we really could have used two points. Ooh, 5-2 to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. And you know who the first pairing defensemen for that team were today? Michael Delzato, Travis Hamnick. For that, the Ottawa Senators. That was a pairing tonight. And they ended up winning. Maybe the Canucks should hang. <laughs> Hung on to him. Uh, all right, let's go back to the phone boards if you want to grab one. 604-280-0650. Paul in Nanaimo. Thanks for hanging in there, Paul. Your thoughts on the evening? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, just a couple quick things. Uh, um, number one, I really hope they, the um, the Canucks um, extend uh, Bruce Boudreaux's, uh well, I guess it wouldn't be an extension, really. It would be to give him a couple more years. Um uh, if he had have been, you know, evidently, if he had have been the coach at the beginning of the year, I think the, the this team would, uh, as is, uh, would have cemented a playoff spot by now. Um, other uh, other than that, I totally agree with Hershey's comments on Patterson. Um, he really, really does need to put some some muscle on and. Um, um, and and that's going to be up to him, and I'm sure the team is going to talk to him about that for the off season, for some weight training, uh, etc. Um, just to be stronger on his skates. Um, on, the, on that overtime goal, um, I heard people talking about uh, Miller not getting back in time, but uh, you know Pedersen was prone in the uh, 200 feet away in in the. Uh, uh, corner of uh, Minnesota's end, and uh, couldn't even get back over the uh, red line uh, while that was going on. But no, it just um, I, 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 it's it's a it's a positive call. I I, I really do help, uh, hope Patterson um, does put some muscle on and uh, becomes a better player and, and a better asset for this team going into next year. Paul, thanks a lot for the call. 604-280-0650 if you want to grab that phone line. To his point on the uh, overtime goal. So he's in the corner battling and he does fall over. And we kind of talked about how JT Miller's kind of tracking that whole play. Yeah, It's the Kaprizov passing lane that opens up from, from Brodeen to Kaprizov that you would hope Pedersen's there to cut off. And that's how JT Miller's like, hey, I got to shade over to Brodeen. Okay, now I've got my eyes on Kaprizov. Yeah. And Erickson X is the one that leaks past. Now, in a theory, you'd like him to play kind of safety in football and just keep everything in front of you, in theory. And that would be a fine way to play it. But as we detailed, like JT Miller is there to intercept passes and try to create on his own. Yeah, and he tries to do that. And I'm not blaming him on it. I know we had some text earlier, but there's a lot of people saying, hey, man, that's a tough back to back. The guy's probably a little tired. He played as well. 23 and a half last yeah. night. He plays another 21 and change last night. And he I scores think the goal to take it to overtime. I, I think he played 21 47. Yeah, 21 47 tonight. So I'm not going to rip a guy because of one play. Listen, yeah, do you want him to intercept the puck if he's making the play? Absolutely. But. You know, he's done a fair bit in that game. On the Pedersen front, and I'm with Paul on the, I think long-term, everybody wants to see that from Pedersen, is where, you know, you 
are able to get a little bigger or you're a little, you know, adding a little bit more muscle and maybe he is, you know, ideally stronger on his skates. And now we're not talking about him turning into Peter Forsberg overnight. No, that's not what it is. But is he a little bit stronger on his skates? Is he a little stronger on the puck? I, I think that's got to be the next step. And Bick, we were talking about the people show yesterday where, you know, over time, some of the skill guys as well, they develop that kind of the edge to their game, right? Mm-hmm. Part of that is also just becoming a man, right? As you grow He's older, three years old. As you grow older, you add muscle. You kind of your body fills out a little bit. That's something that's going to happen with him somewhat naturally, but he's also got to put work into it as well. No, for sure. And you know, when you're that young, and I, look, I understand these guys are professional athletes and and work out in the summer, and you should be able to put on weight. But during the season, it's it's difficult. You're playing twenty plus minutes a night. You're going to burn off a lot of, of weight as well. Yeah, and- Yannick Hansen's talked about that, like in season where you're. You're you're dropping pounds left, yeah. right, and center. It's very, very difficult to keep that weight up. Yeah, and so for for a guy that was this season dealing with a wrist injury, you know how much can you do over the course of the season? Now, look, he's going to get older. He's naturally going to put on weight just as he gets older. I know everyone's kind of looking at looking at their own belly right now. It's like, yeah, when I was twenty three uh, versus where I am right now, oh, I put on quite the uh, lbs. Yeah, it's, we were it's... we were at the, like the student union in our early twenties, man. Like. <laughs> That's how we put on the LBs, not in the gym. No, but look, it'll come naturally with him when he's 25, 26. No one's disputing that he isn't thin. It's really, does does that hurt him from being effective? And by and large, not really. Again, he's had a couple injuries, I know, but he's still put up a lot of points in this league. He's been close to a point-to-game player. He looked phenomenal in the playoffs in both series, really pushing the tempo. I think he had 18 total points in that in, in that bubble. Again, really strong. It hasn't derailed him in any which way. But as he gets older, he's naturally just going to get get a bit stronger. And the balance thing is a fair thing to point out, right? There are yep. times when he falls over. But he'll, he will be fine over the course of his career. Yeah, I think looking at the age is important. We got this uh, unsigned on the text box, Dunbar Lumber text inbox. I'm not saying that EP is McDavid, but how much muscle has McDavid put on? Okay, McDavid's got a superpower, which is his ultimate skill and his speed. But Wait. also go look at, just go look at Connor McDavid's draft day photo and yep. look where, like, we're talking about kids growing into men. Still, it like, naturally happens. It's still, like, he's still working out like crazy, first yeah. of all. Like, he has changed, but also... McDavid does have a superpower in his speed, yeah, which is his differentiator. So even though he's not out there, you know, looking like DK Metcalf, doesn't mean he's not good. <laughs> doesn't not does not mean he's not in incredible shape. And also, his speed is what makes him completely different. His obviously his stick handling, his hand eye, but his speed is the one thing that nobody can cope with. And he, he's got that man. Like Pedersen's a different type of player. He's going to have to focus on other elements of his physicality and his physique. And and that's, you know, Connor McDavid's Connor McDavid. There's mm-hmm. only one of them for a reason. And, and also, what's Pedersen's superpower? Right? It's his, it's his mind. He yep. is a very cerebral player. And you see it a lot when he's uh, trying to generate turnovers. And even tonight, there were the first period, he was all over the place, generating turnovers, takeaways, one from Talbot, one from a defender, and, and creating odd man rushes as well, being Johnny on the spot, creating a... a uh, kickstarting a three-on-one from his own zone into the other direction. And it, it's not as if he he doesn't have power 
to his game. And by that particular term, I mean just power in his legs with how he speeds. Just taking a look at the player tracking data for tonight. Fastest skater on the ice was Nick Patan, actually, at 22.7 miles an hour. Second, Elias Pettersson, 22.6. As far as generating speed, that one of the fastest Canucks tonight on a game that was very heavy and also very fast. No, that's a, a very impressive thing from, you know, Elias Pettersson. And I look at it from a, you know, a zoom out view a little bit where early on in the year, we now know what the issue was with his injury, right? That's something that he acknowledged after the fact. Since then, has he added layers to his game? Since then, has his offensive, you know, skill gone up? Absolutely is. You're talking about the way he's playing, the way, you know, how much he's skating and how quick he's skating. I also look at how many layers has he added to his game. We didn't think he could penalty kill. We didn't think it was smart that he penalty kill. He's been one of the better penalty killing forwards on this team. So I think the long view is, are there areas you want him to be a little bit better? Of course. He's 23 years old and nobody's saying he's Wayne Gretzky, obviously. There's ways that you can improve. But year by year, is there an uptick in his game? Is there a layer that's being added? Of course there is. You want to see consistency on the uh, you know the offensive side of things, which when he's been healthy, the Canucks have gotten that. Unfortunately, for the first you know stretch of the season, that wasn't the case. But as it goes, I like Elias Pettersson to me. I think it's the long game uh, that is something that's really really important. You mentioned the PK uh, tonight, two for two, so they keep keep pushing it towards a uh, much better stretch. I was pointing out in the pregame, again, smaller sample size relative to the season, I know. But uh, the last uh, 10 games heading into tonight, about 79.2%. So they kill another two uh, of two tonight, uh, and that boosts their percentage a little bit more. Keep coming in with your text, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. Brian in Coquitlam. Brian, uh, what do you want to say about tonight's game? Yeah, good evening, guys. I'd like to make a couple of points. <clears throat> they should target this RFA. Uh, that Kraus guy is going to come up and, as an RFA this summer. He's uh, a 215, 6'4". Uh, he's got 34 points in, uh, so far, so he'd be a good addition to the Canucks. Second point I'd like to make, how many games do you think they would have won if they had picked up D'Angelo and Evander uh, Kane? Those guys almost have a point a game. They're playing well and it looks like they cleaned up their act. I think they would have added probably maybe five or six games to the Canucks right now, so they'd have been looking good. Thanks a lot for the call, Brian. That is Brian from Coquillum with his uh, nightly call about Tony D'Angelo. Uh, well, I got, we'll go back into that whole point. Carolina's got an infrastructure that is far better suited for someone like Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. That's yeah, just and, the reality. And what were we saying with the Evander Kane signing, right? Why would you make that deal? You've had to be desperate enough at that point in time. And it was not only the Canucks that said no thanks to Evander Kane. I'm sure there were a couple of teams that were, you know, if you ask his agent Dan Milstein, there were a few teams that were wanting to sign him. But Edmonton, A, was a team that needed him to play in the top six. And they were desperate. They had no other options. They didn't have the cap room. So, you know, part of that is, did the Canucks, the way that their season started, did they need to make that move? I don't think they did. And also, uh, just kind of going back to something a, a previous caller said, Paul and Nanaimo talking about the Boudreaux extension. Yes. We were talking about this the other day on the People Show. You can go listen to that podcast on Thursday on Hour 1. Or sorry, on uh, uh, Wednesday. Wednesday on Hour, hour one. 1, yep. I thought it was Saturday night. I was all fired up for yeah, the Yeah, we're all over the place, man. Uh, 
Wednesday on our one of the people show, just because Patrick Alvin made some comments and it's like, all right, um, you know, where is this really going long term? It's something that hasn't will will get decided obviously in the off season, but it's still kind of because of the option year, still just going to take some time here. It totally is, and I, you know, part of this is about team direction as well, right? If this team, if this core of players can show that, hey, they can turn it around quicker or it's something that you believe in, you know, in the short term as well. Yeah, who knows, man? Like the extension, I think the team would be, if a coach is interested in staying here and he's got one of the highest winning percentages of all time, I think the team would be smart to say, absolutely, sign up. But it's a two-way street. If you're doing a retool or reload, whatever it is, is the coach also interested in that? He is a guy that wants to win or try to get into the playoffs every single year. So part of this is, what do Alvin, what do Rutherford have as the, not necessarily the long-term direction of the team, but the short-term? What is that turnaround going to look like? And, and I think that's really important when you're talking about a coach like Boudreau, who has that reputation of, hey man, I, w- I want to be involved in a winner or a team that's competing for the playoffs. That's something that I think we'll have to hear more from not only the coach, but the executives on this uh, in this squad. Uh, before we go to break, one last text here, 650-650. Kevin from Surrey, uh, PD had a great game. Nobody's mentioned the defenseman on the OT goal. Quinn Hughes hesitated even to come back uh, for one second, but that was enough to leave Miller all by himself. So everyone's trying to pick a culprit on the OT goal. Keep coming in with the reaction, 604-280-0650, and into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, 650 650 50 as well. We'll talk to Satyar Shah, who will join us for a bit uh, as well, and you'll hear from Luke Shen and Ian McIntyre, still all on the way here on the Canucks Central post-game show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks post-game show. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to the point for Quinn Hughes. Hughes, left wing, JT Miller, quick shot, he scores! JT Miller from the top of the circle, fires it past Talbot on the power play, and the Canucks tie it at two before the eight-minute mark of the third period. The equalizer. Push it to OT. Canucks ultimately fall 3-2 to the Minnesota Wild. Welcome to the Canucks Central postgame show, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintech can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at kintec.net. Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda here with you with your reaction, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. We'll connect with Satyar Shaw in just a second and get more of your reaction. And also keeping an eye on the out-of-town scoreboard, Randeep, another one in the books, which is bad for the Canucks. That's right. The Edmonton Oilers win today. They beat the San Jose Sharks a score of 5-2. to two. So there you go, another team that's competing for that. Pacific Division spot, the wild card spot, wins. You've got Vegas beating Nashville 4-1 more than halfway through that game as well. So despite the Canucks picking up one point and, you know, three out of four in the last two games, there's also other teams that are picking up points. And Edmonton, yeah, they're starting to look real dangerous. They got a big tilt this weekend against the Calgary Flames. And they're starting to string together some wins. Yamamoto's picking it up. Evander Kane, who we've talked about couple of goals from Leon Dreisaitl tonight, too. So they're really starting to click beyond just the stars. 
Vic Nazar and Randy Janda. You listen to us on The People's Show, 1 to 4 every day, and on your podcast as well. Download them on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Let's talk to Satyar Shah, host of the Connect Central. Uh, also download those podcasts as well. Sat, what's going on? What's happening, boys? Well, I mean, uh, I got to say, uh, I'm not sure how to take in this loss tonight, but overall, three out of four points on this, you know, you know, grueling back-to-back and nobody gave them a chance. And I don't know. I'm kind of feeling, I don't know. It, you know? It, was, it was a rather, like, nondescript game, technically. Like, I'm trying to think who was the best Canuck tonight. And, look, it's tough circumstances. You're on back-to-back, right? And it's you're going to get tired. Boudreaux kind of mentioned. It's like, hey, I thought we were losing some gas there in the mm. third period. And, like, at the same time, as, as admirable as it is to be to look at it and say, well, they're really playing from about – 75% to start the game just because it's back-to-back from altitude, late travel. But the, the reality is is they they need optimal efforts every single night, and they need to get two points every single night right now because that's how thin it is. Yeah, I mean, there is zero margin for error right now. And, I mean, to be honest, the, the race to actually make the playoffs still is a very big long shot here right but every time it seems like okay there's a final nail in their coffin they find a way to push it forward a bit more right and honestly i thought okay even if they play well they get two out of four points in this road trip that's probably i mean on, on this back to back that's probably not going to be enough the bare minimum was three but if you get four okay now with the dallas game looming on saturday that would be super interesting right because if you can win both these games here and then you go into dallas and win that game three in a row that closes the gap incredibly, right? Even though Dallas found a way to win tonight, despite the fact they only have 15 shots on goal. I don't know how they beat Carolina, but regardless, they found a way to win that game. But you can't have any, any margin of error. And nondescript is right outside of the first eight minutes of that game. The Canucks knew with how tired they were and how late they came in, they had to have a strong first period. Luke Shen set the, set the tone early, right? The Canucks respond. They didn't allow a shot on goal for the first eight minutes. They didn't make a mistake mm-hmm. until Tyler Myers turned the puck over and ended up in the back of their net. If they get out of that first period with, with the one nothing lead and give it everything they have, we have a different conversation about how good that first period was. And that one mistake undid it all. Yeah, that, that was a rough one for Tyler Myers. And after that, you know, you saw Minnesota kind of pick up their game. They picked up their physicality mm-hmm. as well. But, you know, Sat, when we look at that game tonight, I know there's, you know, the overtime goal, there's some negatives there. Tyler Myers on that goal, first goal that Minnesota scored. But one thing I think the Canucks can be proud of, and you mentioned Luke Shen, was not necessarily maybe matching the physicality of Minnesota because really there's very few teams in the NHL that can do that. But they didn't break, Mm -hmm. and that, for this Canucks team, that's important because there were moments it felt like Minnesota was going to run roughshod over them, but they did show a spine tonight. They didn't back down at all, right? I mean, they, they were there toe-to-toe, and Luke Shen was the guy that set the tone, but even Oliver ekman Larson got into it, right? I mean, Bull Horvat, and even though he took the penalty, he got involved physically in this game. All these guys were involved and engaged physically, right? And when, you know you're not going to beat up the Minnesota Wild. You're not going to out-physical them, but if they're going to give you a shot, if they're going to get in your face, then push them back. And if you do, they know they're in for a long night. And as much as Minnesota tried to take over physically, I think you nailed it, Randy. They just couldn't take over the game despite that. They had some moments when they took over the game from creating scoring chances. They were the better team, of course. But as far as physically intimidating the Canucks, I don't think they ever did that in any, in, in any point in this game tonight. 
Talking to Satyar Shah, who joins us here on the post-game show. Uh, you saw him on TV as well. So, uh, again, I kind of posed the question, who was the best Canuck tonight? Uh, I'm hard-pressed to kind of find an answer. Was it JT Miller? Because uh, he does get that uh, the, the equalizer, but a lot of people are calling him out in our inbox uh, over that OT goal. Yeah, I mean, the OT goal, that's classic JT, right? Like, he, he will give up on a play when he knows he's not going to catch up. And listen, he can he can back check harder, and maybe he does catch up, maybe he doesn't. I think we kind of know that's part of the MO. i got to say that it was Quinn Hughes was the best Canuck tonight overall. And I think part of the reason why, and I want to give him some love, is because he's normalized doing incredible things. And I know... Um, he's had some moments there once in a while where things haven't gone his way defensively, but I thought tonight with with how many how often Minnesota was trying to get into his face, right, and trying to take time and space away from him, he did a great job at evading their forecheck and getting the puck out numerous times. So if I had to nail it to one Canuck, I'd say it was Quinn Hughes, and he played 52 seconds on the PK. He had that great clear on the PK as well. He's become a really good penalty killer all of a sudden for this team. So if I had to pick a guy, I'd say it was Quinn Hughes tonight. Fair to say the game against Colorado was pretty, uh, you know, pretty low-key stuff from Travis Dermott. You didn't really see any overly positive uh, things either, but not anything negative, right? Like, he he did his job for a third-pair defenseman, what you want to see. You don't want to notice a third-pair. Tonight, it was the opposite. A couple of giveaways. It It felt like a pretty rough night for him in moments. Well, and he, he kind of exhibited some of those turnovers, right? And it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm here in Toronto doing the games on the road, and, you know, all these guys do the camera work and work behind the scenes. They've watched Travis Dermott play, and their reaction was, get ready for more of that, right? Like, that's kind of Travis Dermott. And it's kind of funny, you know, how different fan bases have different perceptions of their players, but he is prone to bad turnovers. Like, the one you saw uh, in that second period, we coughed it up, and Demko was able to make a great big save on it, but... He has, he has some moments where he will turn that puck over. And the question with Travis Dermott isn't his overall talent. I mean, he moves the puck well. He skates really well. It all comes down to how smart are you as a player? How good is your awareness? How quickly can you make decisions? And that's kind of where he gets into trouble. He's only played two games. And, and honestly, guys, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a bit banged up tonight. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, I think last night a lot of guys, you know, that was a hard-fought game against Colorado. I think a few guys are kind of feeling it tonight and the Cubs don't have any extra bodies. So I'm sure a lot of guys battle through something here tonight too. So I, I give him extra credit for the game. But we're not going to really know about Travis Dermott until we watch him for at least a dozen or so games the rest of this season. He's playing a sheltered third-minute role. But, yeah, you're right, Randy. He didn't make a mistake in the first game, and tonight it seemed like him and Brad Hunt couldn't get out of their own way. Uh, it's a good shout into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox right now. In terms of sheer effort, I thought Bud Colson was one of the better Canucks yeah. uh, this evening. So he had that net drive chance. He had a couple of shot uh, attempts as well. Uh, you know, he's such an interesting player because the, the expectation – uh, it gets thrusted so high, right? When you have a series of good rookies in in Pedersen, in Besser, in Hughes, all come in, and even Hoaglander last year was tremendous. And yet, you mm-hmm. you have to kind of normalize it to say like, hey, rookies coming into the NHL, it is a difficult scenario. But overall, his season has kind of been uh, fine. Uh, tonight was a, I thought, a good game for him. It was. I mean, for a game that that had a lot of physicality and. It was a really difficult play game to get a lot of space, and he excelled. And I think that really bodes well for him in the future. And you, know, you look at how he's played this year, and you can it's fair to ask, is he dynamic in any one way, right? Like, what is his real separating quality outside of being a really good all-around hockey player? I'd say it could be his strength as time goes on. Because you see him, and he's, you know, he's, he's well-built for a guy who's 20 years old, but he hasn't grown into his frame yet. And 
this game ultimately does come down to speed, but also power in a big way. And if he really grows into his body and becomes a real strong player, I mean, he's going to be able to drive the net at will. He's going to win battles along, along the boards at all times. And if he becomes that type of an ox type, you know, four checker and guy that drives the net, well, maybe that is his separating quality. So, so I'd say I am impressed that he's been able to kind of write the game a bit and he's taken some of the hard love from Bruce Boudreau. And based on some of the comments from Bruce, I think it's clear that had they been in charge, as in, you know, Bruce and this new management, maybe Put Colson would have started off in the AHL. Now, it's, I know it's different with guys coming over from the KHL and all that sort of stuff, but I think if they had their way, they would have brought him along a bit slower than what's happened so far. But the fact that he's catching up and not losing steam in a big, heavy game like this tonight, I think does that does bode well for the future. You go build into your frame. I don't even know what that means. Just, uh, <laughs> see Probably you later. Into your frame. All right. Later, boys. <laughs> That's our guy, Satyar Shaw from Canucks Central. Uh, grab a phone line if you want. We'll get to uh, Luke Shen on the other side. We'll also hear from Ian McIntyre. I did want to chime in on Pod Colson real quick there because we were watching the game together and just, you know, the way he drives the net is one thing, Bick. But the way that he also is able to take a hit and he bounced back up. And I know as a, you know, a player that, you know, just, you know, is still getting used to the game. Bigger players are going to find a way to hit him. They're going to find a, you know, way to, to, and we've seen that a couple of times. Cogliano last game, a pretty greasy hit tonight. Yeah. He, he takes a hit as well. But what I like about him, and I, I, I agree with that. I think once he adds some mu- muscle to his, you know, stat, you know, his physique, he's going to draw people. He's yeah. going to drop people himself. He's yeah. going to absorb those hits and he's going to be a bit of a tank on ice. So I think if he continues to develop that way, you know, physically, this guy could be, I don't know what he's going to do from stats, but like physically, he's got the makings of a really solid player. 604-280-0650. Stuart, we're up against break in about 90 seconds. Uh, what's on your mind? You got to say it quickly. Hello? Yep. Stuart, your thoughts on tonight? Yeah. I'm on the air? Yep. You're on the air, man. Okay, man. Thank you, man. Hey, I was just thinking, I think Halak should have got the start tonight. Okay, we already know Demko. It's a back-to-back, Stuart. You always start. You always start the other guy, unless you, your your main guy's on fire. Yeah, I know. But don't you think after of uh, Halak's performance last night against Colorado, he should have got a chance to go back to back against okay. uh, Minnesota? Okay. On that front, though, when you're traveling and a back to back is completely different for goalies than a a hometown. You know, if you're staying in the same building, Hershey's talked about that a lot. You have to make sure that when you're traveling, it takes a toll on the body even yeah. more so. So it's not like a, not at, like you're playing at Rogers Arena. Thanks a lot for the call, though. Uh, appreciate it. He 604 650 We'll get to Luke Shen audio. is pretty great. And we'll talk to Ian McIntyre. The quadruple. Quintuple. So many threats. He's on the way. Bick Nazar, Randy Chanda here on Sportsnet 650 in the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know, it is. I mean, that seems like playoff hockey right there. And like I said, they have some big boys over there. You know, that uh, their fourth line there, and obviously Felino, and like you said, Delorier. So they, they got some size, and. Um, uh, obviously play hard and, and play uh, play physical. So, I mean, there's a playoff atmosphere out there for sure. That's the captain, Bo Horvat. 
after a Canucks 3-2 loss in overtime. They do pick up one point, pushing them to 71 on the year through 66 games. Now on pace for 88 points. Uh, trailing, though, the, the playoff bar, which is rather high because the Edmonton Oilers did win tonight. They're at uh, 97 points right now. The final Pacific Division seed and also Dallas, uh, they managed to win despite only getting 15 shots on goal versus Carolina. Uh, they're up over 97 as well as far as points pace goes. So it's still a uh, uh, trying to reel them in. Uh, you, just, you still just got to try to pick up two points next game against Dallas. Yeah, this is tough. You know, you might be able to pick up a couple of points, three points in the last two games, but also other teams are doing that as well. And Dallas, the next team you play, has been picking them up. Edmonton has been very consistent. Even the Vegas Golden Knights, who have been struggling through 40 minutes, are winning 4-1 against Nashville. So, you know, part of this is doing your job, but the Canucks with their first 25 games of the season, and then you add games like the ones they had against Detroit and Buffalo... You know, you've squandered some chances, and now you have to rely on other teams losing as well. We got this text from Ian and Dunbar. Actually, uh, go ahead. Yep. It is Bick Nazar and Randy Janda here on the Canuck Central Post Game Show, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life. What are they saying in the inbox? Well, we got Ian and Dunbar coming in with seeing the Wild play tonight. Would love to have one of the Wild's monster big men. Size is still missing from the equation with the Canucks uh, at this point in time. So, you know, that's... Having big men is one thing, but big men that can skate, right? Yeah. That's where the Wild, even Delorier, you can, he's a greasy player. He's maybe not the cleanest of players, but he can skate pretty good for his size. Jordan Greenway, he can skate. Marcus Foligno has been in the game for a while, but still, he can move. He's not the, the cleanest of skaters, but still decent enough that they can play him on a line with Erickson Eck and, you know, get a decent amount of ice time out of him. So I think... I agree with Ian. I think at some point, and you know, Yannick Hansen has talked about this as well, is that the bottom six for the Canucks, there's a, a very similar type of player. Do you have somebody that adds something different, that can skate a little bit, but is maybe a, a, a nastier player? Delorie on that interesting aspect, though. He is a UFA this year, and there's going to be a lot of teams that are oh, going to yeah. try to pay, bring him to their city because he's an in-command player right now. He's a in-demand player. He just got traded for a third-round pick. So that's going to warrant a certain level of value on the UFA market. All right. You, you mentioned Yannick Hansen. You'll hear him tomorrow uh, on Canucks Central in the 4 o'clock hour uh, and also on the podcast. So make sure you're always downloading when Yannick is on in all the pods. Alfred and Bruff, Canucks Hour, The People's Show, and Canucks Central. Uh, let's hear from someone else. Luke Shen, who... Uh, was a very physical force for the Vancouver Canucks this evening. Uh, talking about being a uh, challenging game with the travel. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in, in all my years, I don't, I don't remember a back-to-back where, you know, you, you get in at 4 a.m. That's a challenging one. I mean, um, you know, in saying that, uh, I thought we had a decent start. And then throughout courses of the game, you know, they had some momentum swings and uh, had us hemmed for a while. And, you know, Denver made some good saves. I thought her uh, PK did a pretty good job for the most part. And, you know, it's one of those games where it was a heavy game. It was uh, start to finish. They came, they played hard. Um, they're a team that's built for playoffs. And, you know, obviously uh, we at times, you know, had some had some looks and had some chances. And there's some times where you can see it, you know, you're on a back-to-back. So, I mean, all in all, obviously we'd love two points there. But, you know, uh, it's it's still a, a point that, you know, hopefully means something in the end. Uh, that environment that almost 
playoff type environment. And obviously, they just added Delorey. I'm sure they're feeling an extra inch or two tall. Uh, what's um, what can you draw from the way your club at least was able to hang in there given the circumstances? Yeah, like I said, they're they're a team that's built for playoffs. I mean. Going against it for seven games, um, any team in the league that'd be that'd be a battle, that'd be a you know a war. They're they're built like I said for playoffs. Um, as far as four lines go, they're as deep as any four line team in the league. Um, obviously got you know out of some real good pieces. They got two solid goalies, and um, you know you see they got some high end skill and some speed in there as well. So. Like you said, uh, you know, we hung in there. Um, it, it was, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, a picture-perfect game by any means, but like you said, we grabbed a point, and, um, you know, obviously it's it's just a, a challenging back-to-back and not making excuses, but, you know, you, ones like that, it's mind over matter, and we found a way to grab a point, so. Uh, Luke, did you realize that's the fifth time you fought a Felino? I did, yeah. I knew uh fought Marcus. Uh, I think he was in Buffalo, then once in Minnesota, and then, yeah, Nick in Ottawa and in Columbus. So, yeah, must be something, uh, the brothers there. But, you know, off the ice, you know, uh, they're, they're good guys, and, you know, they're they're tough players. Those are guys, obviously, you'd want on your team for sure. And, you know, they, they play hard. They play the right way. And, um, you know, just right off the start there, he kind of came up to you right away and, Said, let's go, and uh, that was it. Five goals for uh, five goals in six games for Bo. Now, what what can you say about the way he's upped his game? He's playing good. Obviously, um, you know he's 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 playing. Uh, I think with a lot more um, you know confidence. He's using his speed out there. He's using the size down low, uh, creating some plays down low, and you know just practicing against him day to day. I mean, I I notice how good he is, and you know he's a tough guy to contain down low. And like you said, he's kind of got that that first three steps where you know he can get out of the hole pretty quick and get some speed, and he's got a pretty good shot. Uh, you know he can he can put it in areas uh, you know where he wants to. I mean, and uh, and, and goalies have a tough time reacting to it. So he's playing good for us. He's our captain and. Uh, uh, you know, our leader, he's playing great down the stretch here for us. And we need more guys, uh, you know, playing up to his level. Hey, Luke, uh, I know that you guys were a lot happier after the game in Denver, but under the circumstances, and you mentioned the 4 a.m. arrival, under the circumstances, was this as impressive to you, the team's performance tonight, as it was last night? I don't know. I mean, you know, we were, we were pretty happy with the way we played last night. Obviously, Colorado, just how hard it is to play in that building. Um, you know, they... Uh, they had such a good record coming into that game too. And that was a challenge for us. And I think that kind of got our road trip started the right way. And in terms of, uh, you know, we played the right way throughout a a full 60 minute game. I don't think we had in a long time. So, I mean, uh, I don't know if you want to say as as impressive an effort or not. I mean, you know, we found a way to get a point, obviously, like you said, back to backs like that, uh, you know, it's, it's a grind in the schedule. When you, when you see this one, even you look at the the schedule first comes out in March, you you look at it a month ago and you're, you know, you're kind of, preparing yourself for that one thinking that you know it, it could it uh, it's going to be a gutsy one and uh you know a lot a lot of ones like that you know not just us on the back like that but teams of league back to back with that where you get a lot late they, they can get ugly at times too so we hung around and um got a point i think uh, like you said you know Denver made some good saves um pk played well power play got one at the end so there's some things that we can uh, build upon but at the same time too i think um you know there's some definitely some areas that we can tighten up and you know you play a big heavy team like that you got to win a lot of battles to to create your chances I, I can't remember uh, offhand the last time you had a team challenge you physically uh, as much as the Wild did tonight. Uh, it's not really something that your team is known for, but how do you think the guys handled that challenge, the physicality? 
Yeah, I mean, at times they're uh, there's no question they're on the four check. They got some D men stepping up, and you know you get, look at some guys that you know they got some big boys on, on their forward group as big as probably any forward group in the league. They got a lot of guys that are probably 220, 230 pounds. Um, I personally love it. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, love games like that. It's it's like playoff atmosphere, and um, you know when you when you get into those those battles like that, I you know I enjoy it. But uh, you know, I, I think for the most part, guys hung in there. Obviously, like I said, they. There's uh, probably an advantage uh, their way in terms of, of size, but I think, you know, guys showed up and, you know, battled and, uh, you know, we, we found a way to get a point. It's Luke Shen meeting with media after a 3-2 Canucks loss to the Minnesota Wild in overtime, so they do get the point. It is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life. Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda will connect with Ian McIntyre in just a second and uh, Torgi texting in 650-650. I absolutely love Shen. So glad they kept him. He's needed with his size, toughness, and leadership, but his contract makes him a lot more valuable than the skill he brings. I love that answer to IMAC's question about the physicality where that quote was, and I'm paraphrasing, but I love games like that. Like, forget you know, some guys would be like, oh man, these guys are going to like pound you on the forecheck. No, this, this, Luke Shen welcomes that type of game. He loves playing in that sort of game. And remember, he played games like that the last two years against the New York Islanders in the Eastern Conference Finals. Th- those are, you know, you want to be in those types of games when you're that sort of defenseman. So I'm with Torgi. I think the contract is such an asset, $850,000. But you also want guys in your lineup that say, hey, this is the moment. This mm-hmm. is the team that's coming. You don't get scared. You play, and we've played through it, and that's exactly what he did with Felino. I mentioned it earlier on as well, and that questions, one of the questions asked that about, you know, Marcus Felino. he's fought three times in his career, Nick Felino twice. You know, this is a guy that doesn't back down from anything, and especially whether you make them to the playoffs or not, you want a player that's said, hey, I've won the cup a couple of times, I know what it takes. And it doesn't matter if we're technically, you know, nobody's giving us a chance. I'm bringing it every single time. I love that about Luke Shen, and the contract doesn't hurt either. And to the team's credit, when it really got physical in that second period and the rest of the game, nobody really started to shrink. And I'm, I really think that was part of uh, what Luke Shen set the tone off off the top yep. of the game with that fight that you mentioned with Felino. So when Minnesota started to ratchet it up, Canucks were ready to, you know, not crater and look if they if they did a lot of people would say well back to back it's understandable they didn't do it they pushed it get get it to ot and managed to pick up a point before we get to ian mcintyre uh we'll look at what happened in the costa rica canada match if you're looking for an update uh this look at canada's men's national soccer team brought to you by certain teed the pros choice for roofing siding drywall insulation and ceiling systems certain teed pro all the way certain teed pro all the way. So if you're waiting to watch the match, uh, cover your ears here for uh, 15, 20 seconds. We'll have to wait another day because Costa Rica wins 1-0 over Canada. They hit a couple of woodworks at the end there, off the bar, off the post. But ultimately, the red card played its hand, and uh, Costa Rica got that uh, goal in extra time in the in the first half. Yeah, Canada had a lot of pressure late in that match, just couldn't beat the post. They hit the upright once as well. But now it looks forward to Sunday when they're playing Jamaica at home. And I'm telling you, if you want to blame one person for this loss, 
His Dan name Richo. is Dan Richo. Yeah, okay. His name is Dan Richo because he said he wanted to be in Toronto to watch the celebration. How selfish is that, by what the way? What a sucker. What a sucker. That's selfish. All right, that's the update on the game. Uh, very unfortunate. I was, all, I was all hyped to be uh, euphoric on Friday morning. Well, always euphoric on a post game when Ian McIntyre joins us. Digital, radio, television, everything. Social. He is our quadruple threat. Joining us now on the Canuck Central post game show. There must be some kind of way out of here. I thought the guy to blame was Mark Anthony Kate. <laughs> and Richo. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have seen it. But I was happy to see this hockey game because it was pretty darn good as well. I, I did have, I admit, until the game ended, I had the first half on my uh, on my phone while the hockey mm-hmm. game was on TV, and I was kind of watching both. And you can't, you can't like, you can't do what Kay did. No. You can't put yourself in that position. I mean, it was a total ridiculous dive and flop and embellishment, and the referees, these, these guys like Konsika. It always feels like it's it's WWE <laughs> officiating. Like it, it seems like okay, they're part of the plot. They're in on it. It's going to be okay. It makes no sense, but this must be part of the plan. But you can't, especially when you've already got a yellow card, to kind of nudge somebody and give him an opportunity to do you know a full swan dive. Like man, you can't do that. But Canada has been tremendous, and we've talked before i've talked before when i'm supposed to be talking about hockey about footy and saying uh, that this is by far the most talented uh, group of canadian soccer players i've ever seen at one time they've got so much uh, so much talent and speed and dynamicism and so to hear that they were pushing at the end even with 10 men that doesn't surprise me so they're going to have to take care of business, though. And I really hope that that moment that you talk about, uh, the, the what led to the red card. Look, they were always going to lose one match in qualifying. Use this as your learning lesson, right? Keep your head, stay disciplined, stay smart, and remember this moment when we get to the World Cup in 2022, or in, 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 in Cater, and you just say, hey, you, you have to stay composed, you have to stay calm, because there's going to be uh, high emotional moments, and if you can stay within yourself, uh, that's how you try to have success. I think you buried the lead. Did you say Cater? Okay. Is it Cater or a Qatar? I, I, I always say Qatar. Up until yesterday, I decided to say Cater now because I no. hear everyone else saying Cater. Okay, so you say Cater. Oh. There's others say Cutter. Cutter. And I say Qatar. Yeah. I, I'm with Ian on this one. Oh, man. That'd be a hard one to change. Qatar. Yeah, I, I'll go back to Qatar because you called me out on it now. Yeah, but maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't think he is, Ian. Uh, I think it's Qatar. Not. I think oh, stick to your not. guns. Stick to your guns. I, I, I'm going to stick to Qatar. Yes. Well, why? Okay, explain, Vic. Why in the last 24 hours you made this life changing decision to call because Qatar because there's been so much promo for uh, this match, and it's like, oh, now they're going to qualify for the for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, and I kept hearing it uh, as said differently. I'm not going to say it now. And I, I finally made the decision. I was like, all right, starting tomorrow, I'll start saying it differently. And now you busted me on it. Okay. That was literally the first time I've ever said it, Ian. And yeah. I'm racked over it. I might have to go. Like, if, if both Scotland and Canada get in, I might have to go. Okay, I, I, I thought you were talking about the show because you said cater. <laughs> no. I thought you had to leave and hang up. Hey, you know, if I haven't bailed on you guys by now over the years, <laughs> you know I'm not going to. Because we've had way worse shows than this. 
But uh, Canada and, and, and Scotland in the same World Cup in a fairly small country that's all linked by high-speed rail, so you can stay in one place and see whatever game you want that day, it could be pretty good. Sounds of course, I'd have to be rich, so I'd actually have to Naturally. get paid for being on radio. It's also during the hockey season. Yeah, <laughs> I actually forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking yeah, of well, which... Surely the NHL will shut down out of respect for the, the biggest sporting event on the planet. I, I, I would hope so. I would hope so. Yeah. But I, I, we know I'm that's not happening. Though. Not hopeful. But you know what? The, the, the great thing about a World Cup, you don't, it's not like you go for a month or the five weeks or yeah. whatever it is. You can go in and out. But I guess it's a long way to go for, for four or five days. I did go down to uh, Palo Alto. However. Before ha- World Cup. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Saw two games. Two games. Two games in three days with my dad. It was awesome. I will say, if Scotland and Canada get drawn together in a group stage, then you have to go. Yeah. I'll have to get tattoos. <laughs> be my first Be my first ink. <laughs> can you recommend a place around deep? I, I got you covered. Don't worry. I got a couple of friends that can hook you up. <laughs> you Ian, go. we're going to have to... If, if it happens now, I think it might have to... Well, it's on record now. Exactly. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Uh, there is a hockey game tonight. Uh, there was. And it was a pretty darn good game, too. I'm sorry for digressing. No, no, no. It's, we, 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 t- we started talking about soccer. It's, it's all good. Um, it, it was a good game, and it, it, you know, it, it definitely felt like the Canucks were starting to run on empty as that game progressed. But, look, they had a little bit of fight. You keep pushing it, and you do what you can. And you, you wait for a moment, and JT Miller kind of scores that goal, pushes it, and they get something out of the, this game at least. Yeah, yeah. To to me, and I asked Luke Shen about it, and he kind of shot down the premise about this being, in some ways, as impressive as last night because you know that was you know in Bruce Boudreaux's words the best game the team has played since he's since he's been here, and it is the Avalanche, and it is Nathan McKinnon, and it is Denver and a mile high and all that stuff. I I get it, but this was a ridiculous back to back. This is the most ridiculous back to back scheduling. I can recall since many years ago, uh, the Canucks played back-to-back in Edmonton in Minnesota, which I think is a longer flight. Pretty sure that's a a longer flight than than Denver to Minnesota. I'm pretty sure that game they got into Minnesota at about 5 a.m. Well, today, and I mean that today, like this day that they played, they arrived in Minnesota at 4 a.m. And and under the circumstances, and, and look at that team that the Wild uh, have now. Man, they're, they're not the best team in the NHL. They might not even be in the top eight, but I wouldn't want to play that team in a seven-game series. I mean, how would you survive that? They, they have so much size, and the officiating helped them, and, and I'm not blaming the referees at all. Like I, I really enjoyed watching the game. I like hockey games like this. Uh, I think we all do, where there's edginess and abrasiveness and some physicality. But the officiating uh, allowed the Wild to play before and after whistles. And, uh, you know, that was that was a formidable opponent tonight. And for the Canucks to, to do what they did under these circumstances, second game in less than 24 hours, to come back in the third period, and granted it was a power play goal, but... You know, it wasn't like they, they came in and just stole a point or, or rode Demko the whole way. In fact, Demko didn't 
looked particularly good on any of the goals who beat that beat them. But for for the team to do what it did tonight, I, I was really impressed by that. Uh, I thought after, you know, I thought they had no chance in Denver. And after they got the win, I thought, okay, well, at least they're going to be one and one when they go to Dallas. So they'll, they've gotten through these first two. To get three out of four points, I mean, what would the, seriously, what would the over or under have been for these two games? One point? Mm-hmm. One and a half? I Maybe thought they were going to get three one? points on the trip. Yeah. So they've got three already uh, against not necessarily the toughest opponents, but Colorado was the toughest opponent. Minnesota probably ranks third out of the four. But again, back to back, where you're going west to east so that you're landing three hours later. I mean, think about that. You you play a game at a mile high altitude and the game starts at 730 local time. So you're taking off, you know, games at over at 10. I mean, you're not taking off before, say, 1130 local time. You're landing three hours later. And in this case, obviously, it was later than that because, you know, it's 4 a.m. by the time they get in. Imagine getting in at 4 a.m. You sleep for what? Five hours, six hours if you're lucky. You get up and then play another team that's that's trying to just run over you. Uh, for them to get a point, I thought that was really, really impressive. Yeah, and the key with Minnesota, as you mentioned there, is that, you know, this is not a team that you can come in and glide in around because they're going to drag you into that fight. They tried to do that uh, a couple of weeks ago. We saw with Anaheim, you know, Nick DeLaurier gets the game started, and he basically runs over the Vancouver Canucks. It felt like Minnesota was trying to do that in the second period, but they did have a backbone. We saw it from Luke Shen early on. OEL was, you know, in those scrums. Bo Horvat takes a penalty late in that game, but he doesn't back down from Hartman as well. I felt like... You know, they had excuses to maybe buckle in this game, but they didn't, Ian. Yeah, I I thought they really handled themselves well. There's a bigger question here, but it's far down the priority list. That You know, for what the Canucks, for what uh, Rutherford and Alvin are trying to construct, ultimately this will have to be something they address because they need more toughness, toughness on the team. And again, that doesn't mean guys who can fight. There was only one fight tonight, but look at, Look at the physicality. But I thought the Canucks, as they are with, uh, you know, a lot of uh, skilled guys and certainly not the size that Minnesota has, I, I thought they, they competed really well. Like I, I couldn't, I, I heard what you said just before I came on. I, I also can't really think of anybody who kind of wilted or, or backed, backed down from the physicality. And, you know, I, I, I think that Pod Colson, just as one example, he mm-hmm. was, he got better. Like he, he was, he flourished in this game. But Luke Shen, my goodness, uh, I guess it's a good thing they didn't trade him, huh? Like to have a guy like that. Uh, I was surprised at the end because it seemed like he was on every second shift. His ice time was still just under 18 minutes. But for what he gives them, uh, whenever he's on the ice, especially when there is so little else of that, let's say, overt toughness around him, man, he's he's worth double what what they're paying him, and I'm 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 glad for their sake, the team's sake, that they they're going to have him another year because he just leads he he leads by example, and uh, I thought a lot of guys tonight uh, really really dug in. I thought I thought Pedersen, you know, that w- again was 
you know, a really good two-way game from Pedersen and the way that he still gets to the corner first and he'll protect the puck. And yeah, he's not running over anybody, but he's also not diving out of the way. I, I, I thought there was a lot to like tonight about how the Canucks played. Uh, to your point about Luke Shen, uh, he was uh, first period, four minutes and 30 seconds. Second period, five minutes and 43 seconds. And third period, seven minutes and 34 seconds. So he was on the ice quite a bit this evening. Uh, talking to Ian McIntyre here on the Canucks Central post-game show. Uh, there's two overwhelming sentiments we've gotten tonight uh, from the fans and listeners. One is about Luke Shen, just uh, the praise coming in. The other one's about JT Miller on the OT goal. Uh, yeah. What was your opinion of uh, what happened on that goal? Well, it seemed like he did exactly what Bruce Boudreaux was instructing him not to do. I asked Boudreaux about it, and I didn't get a, a, a great answer on the Zoom call after because, you know, on TV we could see him talking at length to Miller at the start and motioning with his hands like forward and back. And it it seemed clear to me he was talking about staying on on the goal side of whoever it was he was supposed to be uh, out against. It, it was, you know, it's bad optics, but in the end stuff happens like it's uh, I I didn't like that Quinn Hughes went in so deep and and kind of lingered there and I think when when uh, the wild broke the puck out Miller uh, maybe thought that okay this is a two-on-one but they they moved it forward quickly I don't even know who made the pass moved it so forward so quickly it was Brodin Uh, to Kaprizov to Eric yeah to, yeah, so it was Kaprizov. So I think Miller was thinking, okay, Kaprizov's the guy who's going to carry the puck. He's going to move over and sort of split the two. And instead, Kaprizov just headmanned it right away, made a great pass to to Erickson Eck. And the worst part about it uh, is just the optics of Miller. Once it got, once Erickson Eck was behind him, he he stopped skating. And you know, I I, I really don't know what to say about that. It's not. You know, NHL players shouldn't do that. You know, you should put your head down, and even if it's hopeless, you keep you keep having the appearance of of busting your ass to get back. But he coasted in behind. I guess he knew. I mean, and realistically, uh, it was at that point. It wasn't going to matter what JT Miller did. Mm-hmm. You know, once once Erickson Eck was behind him, it didn't matter what he did. Erickson Eck. It was going to be up to Erickson Eck and Demko to decide whether the game was ending or the game was not. And Demko, he, he was badly fooled on the deke, and it makes it makes Miller look worse. But, you know, we've seen that Miller is a warrior. This isn't a case people can't say, oh, he's not trying or that he didn't care. But it wasn't, uh, wasn't a good look for him, for sure. Ian, appreciate it as always. Uh, you can read uh, Ian's latest up at sportsnet.ca. We'll be up uh, momentarily uh, recapping this game and uh, get ready for Sunday, Ian. I will look forward to being back on the air with you. Well, you'll be on the air with us on Saturday. I mean, Sunday is the... Oh, Sunday, you're talking about the soccer game. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know I'm all hockey all the time except <laughs> when I come on this show. <laughs> Next time we'll talk F1. What time is the game on Sunday? Day game, I'm guessing. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll be tuning in for sure. But before then, I'll look forward to talking to you guys again on Saturday night. Uh, Neither one of us will be here on Saturday, Uh, I don't think. Unless you're appearing on Hockey Night Canada, Punjabi. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't been invited. All right, We'll get you on. We'll get you on. Way to throw it back at him. (laughs) Look at you not wilting down to the fight either.
Yeah, yeah. I I will regret my <laughs> my comment. Oh, I'm ta- I'm teaching you Punjabi now, Ian. You've opened the door. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you, Ian. See ya. That is uh, Ian McIntyre at IMAX Sportsnet on Twitter. Again, his latest uh, will be up at sportsnet.ca in moments. Canucks 3-2 losers uh, in overtime. Soccer Canada also picking up the L this evening. Uh, 1-0 in Costa Rica, so you have to wait on the uh, celebrations just yet. That's right, but we're going to have a lot to talk about tomorrow on the People Show. We're going to be joined by uh, Jet Wu on the B Report, the, which we do every Friday. We'll be joined by Steph Labbe as well, former Canadian Women's International gold medalist with Team yeah. Canada. And, uh, the celebration tour. Absolutely. And we're going to have Ardo Cal as well, ESPN Hockey. You're going to want to listen to the show. That's tomorrow. Well, we're on at 2 o'clock. Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Big shout out to Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch as well for their call. And Josh Elliott Wolf uh, running the show here from Mission Control. And of course, your reaction. Always stay involved. 650 650. Go download the podcast Canucks Central, Halford and Bruff, Canucks Sour, The People Show, and again, Canucks Central as well. Back with more tomorrow here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.